of obedience. I was talking to a couple of people the other day in the gym, actually about several weeks ago, and one gentleman was telling me, I was actually telling the other person, and I walked in on it, of how hard it is to live the Christian life. And then I walked in when I started hearing these things, and they said, Pastor, what do you think about it? I said, you're absolutely right. They said, if you're not a Christian and you're trying to live the Christian life, there's nothing harder. But if you're a true, true Christian, then guess what? You love it because you love God. You don't just love the commandment, you love the one who gave the commandment. That's what Christianity is. Christianity is not trying to do something we cannot do, understand something. That was the Old Testament law of Moses. It was there to show men they cannot keep the law. Something greater than law had to come, and guess what it was? It's the new covenant shed in Jesus' blood, descending of the Holy Spirit, giving us a new spiritual nature, being born by God, having a seed of God, being born again, having these new affections, these new religious affections that all of a sudden something changed. I want to live for God. I want to serve God. I want to love God. I want to obey God. See what that person didn't know. And I'm not finished with that gentleman yet. I want you to know that. Not finished with him. God's not finished with him anyway. I'm still in his life. He still values our relationship. But he does not know the Lord the way he thinks he does. So it brought me to this joy of obedience out of 1 John chapter 5. It's always been a favorite text of mine. Always been a favorite verse of scripture. That God's commandments are not burdensome. They're a joy. I want to read the text. Let me find the first. Okay, starting in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and everybody said his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we just bless you. We thank you. We thank you for the word, Father God. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the gift of grace, God, that forgives us of our sins. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, Father God, that empowers us to live this joyful Christian life, Father God. And when even the joy of God doesn't seem to sustain us, God, we have the sweet gift of repentance, Father God, by which we come to you and say, God, start a new work in me again. A new fresh start in me again, Father God. Do something wonderful, God. Forgive me. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for mercy, Father God. God, show me, show this congregation just how incredible the gift of God really is. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We will see people that really understood the gift of God. The joy of obedience. True Christian religion is a joy. As I said, my friend in the gym had no idea. He just thought it was hard, hard, hard. And it's because he's not a Christian yet. He just doesn't know that. He doesn't understand that. The greatest of all joys, I might add. It's not just a joy. It is the greatest. It brings a genuine sense 
of innocence back into our life, this sort of childlike innocence of just being close to God, being close to Daddy, having assurance, having hope, having peace, is this childlike approach in this very complicated and broken world we live in. A simple childlike trust in God, where the future always looks good, where the future always holds out a certain hope for us. This is a piece that at times seems to even contradict reality. All things look bad at times, but inside all things are at peace. And that's the peace that transcends all understanding for the believer. Obedience, the act of, the act of from the will to do what, heart, what God commands in a joyful, spontaneous way. That's what we're talking about tonight, this obedience that's not burdensome, this Lord that's not burdensome. It's, we have this overwhelming, spont- spontaneous desire to live for God. That's what it was when I got saved. I mean, I just walked out of church one day, and, and it was from night to day, just totally different. All I wanted was God. I was God crazy. I was Jesus crazy. I was Bible crazy. I couldn't get enough of singing. I couldn't get enough of reading. And I couldn't get enough of telling other people about Jesus. That's what it's like. A joy described as this greatest sense of satisfaction the soul could ever experience. Uh, This is incredible satisfaction. And I pray that that's your experience with the Lord. Let me tell you something. This is not some sort of uh, early Christian experience. There is no reason you cannot have that experience for the rest of your Christian life all the way into eternity. You don't have to wrestle with God. You don't have to. You can have this joyful obedience with God until he comes home or he takes us back. It makes no difference. This is a life incredible. It is the satisfaction that God gives us on the inside. That's what this text is. One of the main themes of this text. It's not what it's all about, but it's one of the main themes. Something better than sinful selfishness has come into our lives. It's so liberating. It's so real, it's so desirable that our deepest needs as human beings created in God's image and for God's glory are met once and for all. When you come to Christ, you don't have to look anywhere else. Witnessing to a buddy of mine, he's a good guy, you know, but he listened to a sermon one day and he didn't tell me he listened to it, but he did call me up with some suggestions. <laughs> I love these unsolicited you know, observations, you know, suggestions. A good man, always a good man. So I said, what is he? He goes, you know, you got to keep an open mind. I said, okay, tell me more. He goes, you know, Jesus, I mean, he goes, I'm a Christian too. Oh, they're like, people like to paraphrase that. So that sort of qualifies what they're going to say now. You know, but there's good people everywhere in other religions, Brian. I must have been preaching on Jesus is the only way. And the reason I do that, because Jesus himself says, I'm the only way. Other people say, yeah, but. There's no buts after that equation. When Jesus says, I'm the only way to the Father, there's no but. It's the end of the argument. So, be that as it may. All our needs are met in forms. Well, once you meet Christ, the journey's over. I'm not searching anymore. I didn't find him, or I should say he found us. Amen? The journey is over. Now the joy really begins. 
It's the reality of Christ that reveals the lie. And this is the lie. That life in God's world can be enjoyed without God. You ready? Here's the lie. That life in God's world can be created, can be enjoyed without God. Anybody ever tried that before? You know where it got you? Right here. <laughs> Praise God. We all thought that way at one time. But God was merciful to us and he brought us into the Christian church. That hole in our heart that cried out, there has to be more. And we tried it in many other different directions until Christ got a hold of us. And what happened? We get this heartfelt obedience to God's will and the joyful satisfaction that comes with obeying God. You are not looking at some kind of pessimistic preacher. I am filled with the joy of the Lord. I am filled with the love of obeying God. And when I fail to obey God, I know how sweet it is to cry out and say, God, help me. God, forgive me, but God, help me. Because my greatest desire and the greatest desire of any Christian is to do the will of God. It's what drove Christ in his whole life. It drove him in his whole life. And to bring him to the climax of a crucifixion was to do the will of God and to see it through to completion. Our text is about this approach to life. No matter what, I love that song we were singing, I forget with the words, but even when life is hard, we still remember Calvary. And what it's all about. Calvary is the great recalibrator. Uh, did anybody have a hard week? Yes. Get back to Calvary. <laughs> Get back to what life is all about. Get back to Calvary. The approach is about two different ways of life. The text. There's two worldviews. There's God's worldview. The kingdom of God. And man's worldview on how to live life. These are two themes that run throughout the whole Bible. First John, on a whole, is speaking about Jesus Christ is God. He's refuting so many false teachers that have gone out into the world. These many antichrists, First John talks about, and say that Jesus is a ghost. Or Jesus is a man, but he's not fully divine. Or Jesus is divine, but he's not fully human. And so this is the kind of stuff that was going on 2,000 years ago. But there's another theme. I'm not, gonna, I'm not tackling that part today. I'm going to tackle another theme, and that's the two world systems. The two world systems. The world system of the world, a life without God, and God's value system. These are the two ethoses of this world we live in. The distinguishing character, the sentiment, the moral nature and guiding beliefs of any one person or any group of human beings. What's driving a person? Why does a person wake up in the morning and live? What makes that person joyful, happy, and free? What are they seeking? What characterizes a human being? What are you made of? 
The world, Jesus teaches us that the world's values are contrary to God's values. The world we live in values self above others. It values sin above godliness. It values things above God. It values creation above the creator. It values prestige and position above humility. Values of getting above giving. The world we live in values winning above integrity. It values being heard than about learning to listen to others. The world we live in values being right all the time rather than learning about one's own blind spots. Listen to how the Bible defines the world. Listen to Jesus in Mark chapter 7. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. That's the world system. Do you know why that's the world system? Because that's what lives in us. That's the human heart. That's the sinful human heart. Listen to the way the Apostle Paul takes it even further when we see this great contrast. Listen to this great contrast in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, kingdom of God, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the, the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Here's the world. You ready? I'm going to ask you as I'm reading, what verses do you live in? As I'm reading, ask you, what verses are going on in your mind and heart on a 24-hour basis? You ready? This is a test. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. Are you a man or woman who constantly thinks about sexual gratification? That's your verse. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, and divisions. Are you a man or a woman that thinks about getting even all the time? Having unforgiveness in your heart. Anger towards other people. He goes on to say, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. No matter how many times they say Jesus is Lord. Are you with me? But the fruit of the Spirit, this is God's kingdom, you ready? Is love and joy and peace and patience. Kindness, goodness and faithfulness. I want to read that again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love towards all people. Joy in all situations. Peace in hard times. Patience with all people, kindness to all people, goodness to all people, faithfulness to God, gentleness to all people, self-control over temptations. Against such things there are no laws. Again, I ask you, where are you living? This text from Paul is the quintessential contrast in the whole Bible of the two kingdoms. 
with this contrast of the world's values and the kingdom values, let's superimpose them, what I just read, over our text tonight, and it'll give us some understanding. Let's go back to 1 John, starting in verse 1. Chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. There are three characteristics in this verse we need to know about Christianity and the Christian life and the kingdom of God. True faith in Christ. True, genuine, believing faith that goes beyond saying, I believe, but leads to an action that's contrary to the world system. That's what true faith is. We live a life contrary to the world's values. We live a life contrary to our old values. There's something so new and so radical about the Christian, you can't bring a charge against them or what they used to be. Something has radically changed. And why are they radically changed? Because it says they've been born of God. If you're going to preach about faith in Christ, you have to preach about the born-again experience. To preach about true faith in Christ and not speak about being born of God is to mislead people down the wrong road. To go to a church and speak about faith in God and faith in Jesus without pointing to the characteristic of being born from above, having the seed of God in you, not being born again, there's no Christianity at all. As a matter of fact, it's a Christless or spiritless Christianity. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, Old Testament Messiah, who came into the world to die for our sins, to give us a new relationship with God through the new covenant, that's Messiah's work, all right, has been born of God. A true believer is a true believer, not by what he says, but what God has done on the inside of him. Are you with me? True faith in Christ and everyone who loves the Father, characteristic too. If you truly have faith in Christ, then you love God. It's as simple as that. You can't get away. Everyone who loves God. Where did this come from? He just said everyone who believes. But now it's everyone who loves God. To truly believe in Christ is to love God. You should be saying amen right now. Because before you came to Christ, you were loving something else and it wasn't God. Are you ready? It gets even better. But genuine faith in Christ, but born again, not just loves God. It says here in the first verse, it says, also loves whoever has been born of God. He said, we're born again into a family. This kind of nonsense that I believe in Jesus and I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, but you, but you have no love for other Christians is, is, is a, how can I say it? First John says it in the first chapter. It's a lie. If you say you love God who you cannot see, but you can't love people who you do see, it says the truth is not in you and you are still in death. In one verse, we have genuine faith, genuine born again experience, a genuine love for God, the Father. I love the way he, he, he says this. Everyone who loves the Father loves the Father's children. Look left and look right. They're your father's children. 
I know you're looking at me, you want to stare at me, but it's not me. We love one another. When I first got saved, we used to do this song. Okay, what was that song? Uh, uh, We're Together Again. And it was this little, you know, it'd get the people, it'd welcome people into church. We're together again. I could sing that all week long. That's all. I couldn't wait to get to church. There was something about being around the about brothers and sisters, about being around the preaching, about the singing. There was just something I, I had to get to church. And if I would miss church, which was very rare for me and my wife, I felt like something was missing. I felt like the next time I got into church, I was limping in because I got so beat up by the world, I couldn't wait to get back into church so I could be healed again. Listen to verse 2. And this leads up to the joy of obedience, okay? By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments. See now, listen, there's a trajectory of faith. Faith never stops at I believe in Jesus. There's a trajectory. Faith is I believe in Jesus. So that means I'm going to be born from above. I'm going to love the Father. He's my heavenly Father. And I love the children of God. I belong to a church now. People that love Jesus, who have genuine faith, and call God their father, have to love the children of God. And where do you love the children of God? You love them in the local assembly. Being part of the local assembly, week in and week out, and showing up, being baptized into Christ, then taking the sacraments within the body of Christ, is a constant confirmation, I'm a child of God. That's what it means. That's why we have two sacraments. Sacrament one is is baptism. It says, I'm a Christian. Sacrament two are the ordinances of the body of blood of Christ and that says and confirms I'm still a Christian I love God and I love those who God has saved that's what it means after that we don't need anything else there's a trajectory in the faith true faith in Jesus leads to a genuine love for God as father then leads to a genuine love for Christians as brothers and sisters then leads to genuine obedience in God's law and what do I mean by that Understand something about church when it says to love those who have been born of God also. You see, church life is a a microcosm of life in heaven. That's what this is. Very imperfect, I might add. But God says that. We are a microcosm of heaven life. It's a foretaste of life to come. Whereas redeemed, not sinners, but we are. But redeem social beings. Are you ready? Redeem social beings who are created in the image of God. Experience the best of life here and now. Why? Because I can love God. There's nothing better than being in a relationship with the vertical relationship with God. There's nothing better. But just as good is my horizontal relationship with other Christians. I can't enjoy my Christian life without yous. I can't enjoy my Christian life without, and I share this all the time without my brother, yous, I know, I'm sorry. I make no apologies. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) You're stuck with me, all right? You are stuck with me. Praise God. Yous all are stuck with me. Praise God. I picked up on that because Kim and Terry always look at my, uh, when I beat down the English language, I see Kimmy and Terry looking at each other. (laughs) Sister Dora will correct me in the gym this week about my English. (laughs) Praise God. 
But understand something. These are the great values of new life in Christ, which we saw in Galatians. In this community, godliness, the obedience to the law, godliness says, I love you. How I live outside the church says, I love you. It says, I love God and I value your relationship. Let me give another example from the gym. I get a lot of fodder from the gym. Me and one of the brothers, I walked in on another conversation. One brother with another guy who says he's a Christian. And the guy who says he's a Christian is looking at the young man who's like 19 years old. He wants to go into the ministry. And, uh, and he's like, you got to become a man. This is a confessing believer. And guess who walks over at the same time? He says, you got to go to a strip club. I'm like, you gotta be, is that what it is to be a man? Both of us looked at each other and said, What? That's the kind of fellowship that we both laughed at him. The young man was hysterical. I said, does this man look like he needs to be liberated? Does this man look like he needs to become a man? He's happy in God. He doesn't need what you're offering. It's not making you happy. This is what makes him happy. He loves God and he loves the children of God. And he values people and he values God more than he values going to some club. This is what's out there. But I say that for a reason, all right? In this community, we value godliness, not ungodliness. Ungodliness doesn't make you happy. Living for the Lord makes you happy. I want to participate. I want to bring something to the table. I want to bring something of how wonderful and joyful and free it is to obey God. I want to encourage other people to live like that. I want other people to encourage me to keep it going, to live right for God. I'm not coming here to hear war stories in the men's locker room, in the gym. I'll correct them there. And I come here, I want to hear how awesome it is to serve the living God. I want to be reminded how wonderful and how free and how liberating it is of what Christ did for me at Calvary. I want to remember how it was that first week, that first month, that first year I was saved. And nothing would have stopped me. That's why we come together. That's why we need one another. That's why Hebrews says in chapter 10, do not neglect the fellowship of the saints. And why? Because we stir one another up to love and good works. There's a dialogue. There's a value system that takes place within Christian ministry, within Christian fellowship. You don't get this value system in the world. The value system in the world says, you want to become a man? Spend the night with me and I'll show you. You've got to be kidding me. We shut that down so fast. I didn't see the guy in the gym for three days. <laughs> for three days. The next time I saw him, I said, why don't you come to church Sunday? He hasn't texted me back, so if I'll see him tomorrow, I'll shake him down tomorrow. I'm not fin- God's not finished with him yet. I love this guy. Let's go to chapter, verse 3, and we'll talk a little more about this. It gets better. For this is the love of God, more trajectory. He's repeating himself, it seems, but there's a, a higher trajectory here. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. 
and his commandments are not burdensome. John reiterates the same stress on joyful law keeping from another perspective. First two, the perspective was for the Christian love, for the Christian fellowship, to keep it whole and keep it pure and to keep it uncontaminated by that nonsense that goes on in the world. In the Christian community, within the saints, you hear things that are edifying for life, for the building up to be a better man, to be a better woman, to be a better son, to be a better daughter, to be a better everybody. That's what the Christian life is about. It is about building each other up and strengthening each other in the truth of the gospel. Now John's going to reiterate this in a different way. As I said in verse 2, it was a bond. It was like a spiritual glue that brings believers together. It's called one mind and one heart. God's doing the same thing in me that he's doing in you and we need to hear it. In verse 3, it's more from a practical perspective. The objective word in this verse is it is not burdensome. Burden means to be heavy, not overwhelming or misleading. So God's law is not heavy. It doesn't weigh you down. On the contrary, it's liberating. It gets you to really experience life at its best. On the contrary... It's now in our wheelhouse as the people born of God and saved from sin's curse, that's hell, saved from sin's power and sin's hopelessness, we're saved from all that. As a matter of fact, they're liberating. The commandments of God are not oppressive. They don't hold us back from having a good time. But they're reasonable and make good sense. They bring sense to life and marriage and, and fatherhood and motherhood. It brings life. It brings sense back to life again. That's what the commandments of God do. As a matter of fact, I find it easier to obey God than want to obey sin anymore. Sin is a law. Do you understand that? You can't pick and choose. You start picking and choosing, one day it owns you like an addiction. And you can't break it. God's law never comes with negative consequences. You with me? God's law and love of his law and obedience to the law, there's no lying to cover up sinful acts. There's no apologies necessary because love never offends. There's no hurting others when you follow God's law. There's no keeping up with the Joneses when you follow God's law. There's no prideful competition when you follow God's law. There's no vanity. There's no resentments. There's no shame. There's no guilt. It never produces anger, malice, and slanders of others when you follow God's law. Because, you know why? It's easy to love and obey God when your heart is right with God. And that's what Jesus Christ did for us. Our hearts are right with God through the shed blood of the new covenant and the giving of the Holy Spirit. We're free from so many inner negative attitudes towards others. Think about where your life would be right now if you took away every negative thought about other people. 
Listen, we'll never be totally free. This is not a guilt trip. You'll never be totally free. But man, I'll take any freedom God would give for me from the negative thoughts. You can take that as far as you want in Christ. You can find forgiveness for the most unforgiving human being that has ever done anything to you. In Christ, you can find that forgiveness. You really can. This is what genuine Christianity is. Let's read 5 and 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? As I close with these, these verses go to remind us that just faith in something is not good enough. Have you ever heard you have to believe in something? I get that from a lot of religious people. These are the parents that don't go to church, but they send their kids to church because they have to believe something. Does anybody ever felt that way? Do you know how many times I said, Pastor, there's anything for the kids? They need to learn something. I said, what about you? Faith begins in the house with mommy and daddy. But if they're not going to do it, God will send them to the church and he'll father them. Here's the point. Just believing in something or just believing in a little Jesus and getting a little bit of church and getting a little bit of religion is not the answer. You remember what true faith in Jesus is? When you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the one who atoned for your sins, you ready? Who makes you right with God, then you'll be born of the Father. Don't miss the connection. That's why John reiterates it over and over again in five chapters. To believe in Jesus Christ properly is no other than to be born of the Holy Ghost. In John's 1 John 1 to 5, it's talking about God has put his seed in us. That's why we cannot continue to sin anymore because God's seed, the Holy Spirit, abides in us. And the Holy Spirit is not some impotent spirit. As I say, the third man in the totem pole who takes up a residence in our hearts and reminds us like the good, the good angel and the bad angel. No, the Holy Spirit comes to conquer evil. And he does a good job. He does a real good job of it. Just believing in something, believing in church, believing in education, believing in religion, going to church every once in a while, going to church once a week, once a month, once a year. On a, that's not what does it. True, genuine in faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Christ, the one who came and died for our sins and rose again for our justification is a life changer forever. And he changes eternally, immediately. From that moment on, we become eternal. Minded in the world's value system, they're not concerned about eternity, they're not concerned about the will of God, they're not concerned about standing before God's throne one day and give an account of their life. They want nothing to do with the afterlife, everything they want, all their hopes and dreams and peace come from terra firma. This world. They never, ever take one joyful thought about eternity with God. 
not so much with the true and genuine believer. I can sit down and talk about Jesus Christ all day long. I can talk about Jesus to other people all day long. I can speak about holiness and righteousness all day long. The genuine believer can never, ever, ever get enough of Jesus Christ. There's a longing that we have to have. And when the genuine believer falls away from the joyful obedience, there's a still a longing. They know, I have to get back to my father's house. Like the prodigal son, when he was down and out, he realized that even the servants in the father's house are well fed. Please understand this. Every true believer has to make a couple of hard choices for the Lord. Every true believer. And we might have to do that consistently over the course of our life. But nothing is better than when you know you're in the will of God. You're being led by the Holy Spirit and not by fleshly passions. And you know in your heart that God is smiling down upon every act. He sees what you're doing for him. The Bible says it clearly. When you go into your room, close the door. And when you pray, your heavenly father sees it. And he will reward you. God sees when you're sitting on a park bench crying out for change in your life because you're tired of being an angry human being. God sees when you're down in the park and you're crying out in your room and you're in prayer saying, God, change my heart. I'm falling to every temptation. I finally know the truth and I love you and I want to serve you, but there's something holding me back and you're crying out. Am I alone? This is the joy. This is the joy of obedience. Christianity is a joyful foretaste of heaven divine. And no one solos to heaven. We're here together. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, thank you, Father, that now we can be slaves, joyful bond slaves, willing, submissive, joyful bond slaves to righteousness. Thank you, Father God, that you have ripped out of us the other desires, God. Thank you that you have given us the power of contrary choice, that we can actually make a contrary choice to things we used to want and desire and do. We can make a, we can say no to that now. Father God, thank you for everything you've ever put in our life, Father God. Thank you for every spiritual blessing, Father God. Thank you that the joy and the peace we have now is only a foretaste of life to come, Father God, and that the relationships we're building here now will go on for eternity. Let every believer know that. How much it pleases you when we obey the commandments and show that we love one another. In Jesus' name, amen.